2: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
3: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Saints Hour. I'm Mike Haas, along with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Limus for this being our final Saints Hour show of the season. And that's disappointing because, like the Saints, we wanted... Uh, the playoffs as well and we know it's a given it was a disappointing season i, I guess go i wanted to kind of not ever go back but when we left training camp man the moves in the off season and you had a couple of injuries but this team was kind of under the radar nobody really had great expectations but there were high spirits i remember a feeling about this team leaving camp and because it wasn't really a rebuilding year right i mean you couldn't you blow things up you just tried to add some pieces Given all that, that it wasn't rebuilding and kind of the way things played out from training camp, it's 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 just disappointing. I don't know what else to say.
4: Yeah. Um, well, I think I think coming out of training camp, I think what I would say is that we all had, and by all I mean, coaches, players, uh, the front office. I think we all had a quiet confidence about the quality of our team, and um, I felt that, and and we all felt that, and so. You know to not have that come to fruition to not make the playoffs to not win the division um, is is disappointing
3: so now the evaluations begin uh, t- typical of every year uh, is there an a, a, a hierarchy uh, an order uh, coaches players staff I mean how does it work with yourself and Dennis and uh, Dennis Allen as well as Dennis Lausche and, and Mrs. Benson
4: yeah I think well first of all um, You know, I always like to take a little bit of a break here uh, and let the emotion of the season uh, dissipate so that, you know, we can make, uh, uh, you know, view it from a lens that that is a a step back. And and, um, so we'll we'll kind of step back this week and then get into – you know those evaluations that you're talking about uh, next week, and and you know formulate eventually formulate our plan for this off season.
3: Uh, I'm not trying to be cute here, but just you know, I mean, at some point, do you sit with Dennis and Mrs. Benson, who who kind of who who handles the Mickey Loomis evaluation?
4: Um. I don't
3: know, Mrs. Benson. I, guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not a meeting that happens, yeah. you know. Kind of like when you sit with Dennis and Jeff and Parenton. I'm just, again, I'm not trying to be cute. I'm just, I was just curious how that worked.
4: Yeah, that. Listen, that that's happening constantly. You know, when when during the course of a year, um, you know, I, I'm visiting with Mrs. Benson uh, daily, so that that really happens. Um. You know, every day during the entire season, the entire year, really. So, and it's not a formal let's sit down and give you a review like um, like you might ordinarily have with some companies. Uh, so that's a little different.
3: And really, but it's and it's something that you deal with every year. It's kind of a moving target with coaches because coaches move on uh, of their own volition. They they get better jobs, and this organization's always been in support of administrative. Uh, People Fontenot and and guys like Aaron Glenn who who might have a chance at, at a head coaching job. So there's going to be some moving targets as you as you look at your coaching staff, uh, keeping and and people moving around.
4: Yeah, the only certainty in the NFL is that there's going to be change and there's going to be changes and and some of them are are uh, dictated by you know a promotion an opportunity that a coach has whether that's uh, uh, in the NFL or at the college level and and um, So those those things are going to happen, particularly when you have a good staff, and I I believe we have a good
3: staff. And one of the things that we always see every January, and we've already seen it, and you signed eight reserve futures, eight players to reserve futures, uh, guys like quarterback Jake Luton, Nephi Sewell, Lucas Kroll, Derek Gore, there are eight total. And it it might seem somewhat insignificant, but as I was kind of reading more into it, I mean, so you're not credited – the this money, even though you signed them, that one they can't negotiate with other teams. It's credited against your twenty twenty three cap, not your twenty twenty two, and the player counts against the off season ninety man roster, not your kind of roster right now. And and you know you got them for OTAs and, and training camp, and, and I think we've all seen and and lived how important that the practice squads and these kind of players have been, right?
4: Yeah, I think the important thing here, the notable thing, is that. Look, these are guys that we're familiar with, that we like their prospects going forward. We've seen enough to say, hey, these guys can potentially uh, help us um, in the coming season and or, or seasons. And so that you know, there'll be more of them as well. So um, you know, there, there's no guarantees about about. Uh, um, in terms of their roster spots or anything like that. But these are guys that we like. We like what we've seen so far, and, and uh, we want to keep them and develop and work with them.
3: I don't know if how much or if you've even talked to Sean, but certainly this whole Sean Payton job is going to play a physical role in the decision and the decision that you guys make. And Obviously, the sooner the better. But how do you go in kind of assuming? <laughs> I mean, I assume he's going to get a job. I assume you're going to have a first-round pick. How do you guys do it?
4: Yeah, I don't think we make any assumptions. Um, you know, that that's that's ultimately up to the uh you know, to Sean and the other teams. And and yes, we do we are in a position where we're going to get compensation and and what that is and what it looks like uh um, remains to be seen. So uh, but we're not, you know, we don't go in there, you know, planning on having um you know, any particular thing at this point.
3: But the other teams, because he's under contract, do have to ask you first, right?
4: Yeah, they do. They have to have, um, yeah, they have to have our permission, a to, to speak with him, and, and b there has to be an agreement on the compensation in order to hire him.
3: Your thoughts on the uh, play of your of your two first rounders? Alave became your third rookie to have over a thousand, but. I think if he were sitting here, he would, you know, uh, he would say you know, the fumbles and maybe the drop balls. I mean, he he's a, a talented rookie who will understand that he's got he's got some room to grow, right?
4: Yeah, he, listen. He's one thing about Chris is that uh, you know he he had a lot of professional qualities about him when he got here, he, you know, the way he works and the way he approaches um, his craft, and and yet. There's uh, lots of room for improvement, but we're excited about uh, his season. Um, you know, it's a little bit unfair to him when you lose, you know, a Mike Thomas on the other side, and you're expecting to have that player, um, you know, attracting a lot of the attention, and then that doesn't happen, and, and the focus gets goes back to Chris. And so, uh, but I thought he performed well uh, uh, and really encouraged with uh, the year that he's had. Um, trevor you know i would say similar and yet man that injury was unfortunate at the beginning of the season because that you know caused him to miss a lot of games um we did you know getting back toward the end of the year and thought that uh he did some really good things and i felt like you know his start against carolina man we saw some really really positive things i'm excited about him as a prospect going forward unfortunate that he had the liz frank but but uh you know he'll come back from that um and, and uh, I'm excited about having both those players um, for the Saints going forward.
3: The Saints hour will continue after this break. We'll return with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis after this on the Community Coffee, New Orleans Saints Radio Network. We are speaking with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis. And we talked about the, the first round. And in that second round, you picked Alante Taylor, who because of injuries to Marshawn Lattimore was forced into action and he got to grow more than probably uh, he anticipated. But now you have this secondary of cornerbacks with Marshawn who came back, boy, made his impact right away with a pick six, Paulson Adibo, a 2021 pick. I mean, three really solid cover corners. you got to feel good at least in that area.
4: Yeah, I think, you know, if you look at our team, that's, that's you know, probably – if not the strongest position, and I mean the, the defensive back room in general, because uh, Tyron played well. Um, Marcus May is a good player. You know, when he was able to play, um, he, he, he performed well. Um, the three corners you mentioned, I thought Bradley Roby uh, had a good season for us, particularly the last, uh, you know, six games or so. And so that's a strength of our team. Um, and, and uh, uh, are
3: excited about that group. So I, I want to finish with just kind of talking about the difficult position that kind of faces not just your team and ev- every team as they, as they kind of move forward uh, as you look at your unrestricted free agents. and I'm going to talk about like two sides of a coin. I'm, I'm going to use an example in the first, but not the second, but I'm just I'm curious. So you've got Caden Ellis, seventh round draft pick. He's an unrestricted free agent he's growing just like you want him to grow for the first three years and he comes out and bam year four gets a lot more playing time you know some injuries but he gets a lot more playing time and has this phenomenal year so now and it's just a fact of the of the league you've got a a, you know a seventh rounder who comes out and now all of a sudden his market value is x and you've got to decide do you keep what's his value is it affordable i mean it becomes a very Tough decision. That's one side of the coin. Kaden, I'm not with all my Kaden himself, but just players in that position where you've got to make that kind of decision.
4: Yeah, look, that happens uh, every year, Mike. To be honest with you, it's it's um, and you know you have to make choices based upon you know your roster, based upon your resources. You know, we've had those in the past. Marcus Williams uh, is a good example of that. Um, you know, there there's been several others over the years that the guys that that were good players for us and and you try to keep them and if you can make a deal that that fits with your roster and your salary cap then you do it and if you don't sometimes you lose them it just it just happens and and uh you know it's that's good for players you know I, listen I don't I don't uh, uh begrudge any player from trying to maximize his value and maximize his earning potential that's part of what we're here for we're here we are here to help these guys maximize their earning power, and, and uh, but sometimes you lose them uh, because of it.
3: Now, the other side of that coin, the flip side is there are unrestricted free agents who come in with big price tags. And now you've got this decision, uh, do we resign, keep? It's a value question, again, as always, but it's not, it's, but then there's yeah, the, the consideration of dead cap money because no matter what that dead cat money is real so that's the flip side of the coin and another you know bunch of tough decisions
4: yeah look it's it's you know roster building is is uh, like a 3d puzzle you know it's it's complicated and it's uh, there are things that seem pretty simple on the surface and yet there's these underlying variables that that uh, that make it more complicated, and and uh, you know we'll have that challenge for us again uh, this off season, and and uh, but I'm confident that we can, um, you know, we can do it in in a, in a good way that'll help us uh, improve and and flip this record around.
3: Senior Bowl is kind of the next gathering, so to speak, for uh, your your group, so to, you know, in, in that realm.
4: Yeah, we have you know the East West games coming up. There's a there's a number of these, uh, uh, college all-star games you mentioned the senior bowl. And then right after that, uh, uh a few weeks after that is the combine. So we're, we're going to get right into the off season here pretty quickly.
3: Well, Mickey, I, you know, as we started the show, it's not, not, not what you wanted, not the goals you set, not the, uh, the standard that's been set, but we appreciate your time and, uh, you know, best of luck, have a great off season. And, and I, I can't, I can't balance my checkbook. So what Kai Harley does. I can't even fathom, but, uh, Best of luck.
4: Yep. Thank you, Mike.
3: Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis looking to the future, of course. When we come back, WWL Radio Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak will help us look back on the roller coaster season to see how this team finished where it did. That is next on the Saints Hour on the Community Coffee New Orleans Saints Radio Network.
4: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
0: Welcome back to the Saints
3: Hour, everyone. And we are going to look back at this season of 2022 23 with Jeff Nowak, the Odyssey WWL digital sports reporter, producer, game day, first take with Steve Geller, also the podcast Inside the Black and Gold with Steve Geller, the producer as well, reporter, and the sideline reporter, and on the podcast as well. Man, you guys must have big business cards. That's all I can say, man. There's a lot on there. So here's how we're going to do it we're going to look back at games one through six. Then the next six, and then the final five. So we begin Nine eleven, week one, Saints in Atlanta. Saints win the game. Uh, I would just say not until the very final play. But if you think about what we expected going in, this is the first indication that this is going to be a wacky, wacky season. So we'll begin with Jeff.
5: Well, you know, this is like the one game this season where we got to see what the Jameis Winston offense might have looked like without major injury concerns. And 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 really, you only got to see it for that kind of bizarre fourth quarter where everything went right, um, and it looked really good. And that's why, like, like after this game, I think there was a lot of optimism on this season. And that fourth quarter, you know, I think Jameis, you know, threw two touchdowns at a 200-yard passing – no interceptions, um, and the Falcons did what the Falcons do best in losing a game. They seemed to have won, um, but this was <laughs> this game. I think it was almost a kind of a red herring, um, where you thought, "Oh man, maybe this is the same season. The, the things are finally breaking their way." There was a lot of bad luck, but they they managed to pull it out, and that's just that's just uh, not what happened uh, after this one. Steve, no, not at all. Yeah, I was going to say what stood out to me. I
6: remember michael thomas playing coming back two touchdowns it seemed like so much of that pent-up aggression or i guess angst of not having him around kind of thing uh really exploded in that game and it seemed like we were in for in store for one of those big seasons from him jarvis landry even had 100 yards receiving that day and it seemed it appeared that the wide receiving woes which we had the year before were definitely squashed with you know Alave being drafted, Mike T back, and the addition of Landry's, and, and, and that game, it all seemed like a a perfect entity that was going to continue throughout the year. Unfortunately, we know that didn't happen, and um, I, I think we saw a, a lot of Taysom Hill in that role that we wanted to see him as well. It was more of that power runner. Uh, another big game for him.
3: So big fourth quarter comeback, Saints one to zero. Now they come home, and it's uh, Tampa Bay Tom Brady. And now it's the complete opposite. It's three three in the fourth quarter. Steve, this is where you know this is where we started counting turnover differential numbers.
6: Yeah, the that obviously was a huge plague of the Saints for most of the season was just coughing up the the ball and not being able to turn it over what really stood out for me this game I had COVID and ended up being on the sideline at home Jeff was filling in for me on the sideline in the Superdome and it was definitely a different experience obviously seeing it from afar and man Tom Brady didn't have the greatest of games either and I think we talked about it but the, the fact that he's able to get rid of the ball so quickly really put them at the advantage there and and was the only reason why the bucks were able to have any success that saint's defense again
5: did a heck of a job yeah yeah this is like like steve said this was my first ever game kind of reporting from the sidelines and it was disappointing in the sense that this was the first example this season of a game that i felt like the saints dominated on defense they looked like the better team throughout the day yet in the end they lost it was a 20 to 10 game and you know, you, you you saw some red flags at this point. There was no chimera in this game, so it's really tough to look back and say, "Man, the offense should have been better." But Mark Ingram ran well. Mark Ingram had ten carries, fifty-eight yards. He had that critical fumble in the third quarter, and it really—it was just the first example of, okay, if the Saints make a play in this moment, they put this game away and they win, and they're two and zero, and things are going well. And they didn't do it, and that was just, that was just such a recurring theme throughout this season. If you watch the final 18 minutes of this game it was the same season in a microcosm and uh watching it in person definitely kind of dropped that home because you know mark ingram was a guy who you brought in to be a veteran presence you expected him to you know maybe not be a dynamic running back but not make the mistakes in critical moments that you ended up seeing from him and that's that's what happened
3: week three at carolina saints are one and one they go to carolina baker mayfield Jameis winston but lose 22-14 second straight week they've got a defensive touchdown, Marquise Haynes scores, I mean, this one was just not a very pretty game.
6: No, not pretty at all, and you know, we kind of joked about this, I don't know if joking is the right term, but talked about it on the podcast with, you know, losing to a quarterback in Baker Mayfield who had an awful performance in week three, and then in that finale, uh, even and even worse, uh, quarterback performance from Sam Darnold, and you end up getting swept by the Panthers somehow this season. What really stood out to me this game, Mike, is on the road, is that injury tent popping up. We had uh, Michael Thomas go in and Jarvis Landry, and who know that, knew that that would be the last time we, we saw or heard of from Michael Thomas this season. Landry then ended up suffering a setback, which was really detrimental to the wide receiving core.
5: I also think this is another example of, you know, Matt Rule is no longer the head coach in Carolina. Phil Snow, the defensive coordinator, is out the door. But Whether it be the blitz schemes, whether it be the poor protection on the Saints side, they just could never get anything going in any of their games. And so when you look at a Kansas team that's changing head coaches and you're going to have a different maybe defensive scheme, I think the, the Saints are going to be happy about that because it was just not something that they handled well. The zone blitz schemes kept them just all over the place. And that's what you saw in week two of last year. So you saw in week three of this season.
3: One and two, go straight to London, lose to Minnesota, close game, 28-25. Let's go back. We'll begin with you, Steve.
6: Yeah, that was the double-doink game. And I got to say, that was obviously a highlight, though, still of the season, getting to spend the week in London. Even the game day experience, I thought that the crowd really showed up and was impressed just how many, I guess, Londoners were into the game. I can't imagine many folks from the, you know, Saints fans or Minnesota fans making that, that trek And yeah, it was, it was another rough game for the fact we didn't have Alvin Kamara around, but man, once again, those late game
5: situations for this team reared its ugly head. The end of the season, you look at it and you say, wow, this defense down the stretch had a really, really good finish. And they, it's a defense that you probably should have been able to win more games for. Early in the season, I don't think that was necessarily the case. And when the offense was playing well, the defense didn't hold up its end. And this is a point where you had Marshawn Lattimore. There was a point in the fourth quarter, Saints go up 22-19. to 19. Man, this is a game that you might win against all odds without your starting quarterback, without your starting running back. You have a chance for the defense to go out and salt away a win. And what happens? A 10-play drive for 75 yards takes five minutes off the clock, ends in a touchdown. Next possession. You go out there, well left, takes a sixty yard field goal. You tie it. Okay, defense, go out there, get those get us the ball back. No, six plays, fifty-three yards, go ahead field goal, and then obviously if the double joink at the end. And this you know, it's there was there was no connected point of this season where the offense is playing well and the defense is playing well.
3: Exactly. So back home for the first for four of five straight home games, Seattle get the victory, thirty nine thirty two. Saints move to two and three. Steve, what are your memories?
6: Uh, Definitely that being the Alvin Kamara game. We finally got to see him, you know, showing out. Uh, Also, Taysom Hill uh, really had a a, a massive game. And you felt like the offense was starting to get kind of an identity. Unfortunately, you were just playing a really bad Seattle Seahawks defense in the end.
5: Yeah, I don't know what Steve's talking about. This is the Taysom Hill game. (laughs) This is the Taysom Hill four-touchdown game. Alvin Kamara did have a great game, but... This is, a, this is the game where you kind of started feeling like, wow, maybe this is a running team. Maybe this is a guess, team that can dominate a- on the A-K ground. A.K. had the yardage. Taysom had the touchdowns. Yeah, any threw for a touchdown. But this is the game where you felt like, you know, maybe this is the identity of this team. Maybe this is a power running team. And you kind of felt like the defense, again, kind of let you down with the long touchdowns late in this game. Kenneth Walker had that long touchdown. Tyler Lockett had two long touchdowns. This is also the game that I think really hurt you over the course of the next two weeks when you're trying to be consistent because Marshawn Latimer goes down with that kidney injury late in this game. He doesn't come back until week 17. And I don't think any of us realized at that point how significant that injury was. Anytime you're playing without him, you are at a disadvantage, and that's what you had.
3: So the Saints now at 2-3, and three, stay home, Cincinnati week 6, lose 30-26, to 26, never trailed in the game until the final two minutes. Steve, we'll begin with you.
6: Yeah, just one another one of those woulda, coulda, shoulda games kind of gives you that those dry heaves when you start thinking about it. No turnovers in this matchup. You ran the ball really well, but you just let the Bengals hang around too long in this matchup. Another, I mean, another positive from the game. I think that was uh, Rashid Shaheed's first touchdown yep. of, of the year, and uh, he was a, a huge spark in a role that everyone really considered more of a kick return specialist. I think in year one, this was definitely another game for this team where. You're left
5: scratching your head going, How did we end up losing this game?
3: Yeah, Jamar Chase, <laughs> right, Jeff?
5: It's another example of a game that you gave your defense the lead and they were not able to hold it. But it's another, it is also, again, an example of a game where the offense and defense couldn't kind of get it together at the same time. Like I mentioned, you know, is this a running team now, right? Is this a power running team? Is that your identity? They ran for over 200 yards in this game. They lost. It almost felt like the result made you second guess whether that was your identity this was a game that really felt like you were about to get the season back on track and back to 500 you just weren't able to
3: let's pause 10 seconds to let stations identify themselves on the community coffee new orleans saints radio network so the first six games are in the books the saints are two and four if this is a season in review the saints hour on the community coffee new orleans saints radio network Welcome back to the Saints Hour. Mike Oss, along with digital reporter and producer, also host of the Inside Black and Gold podcast, Jeff Nowak, as well as Steve Geller, a producer, reporter, sideline reporter, all of of us working with the Saints this year. And now we're continuing on with the season. Week seven, short week for the Saints, Thursday night in Arizona. They lose 42-34 to fall of two and five. And all we need to look at, Jeff, I'll begin with you, is the final two minutes of that first half.
5: Yeah, and, you know, at this point in the season, there was still a question about who the quarterback might be going forward. And um, it definitely wasn't the prettiest picture for Andy Dalton when you look at those two pick sixes before halftime in a game that the Saints got out to the lead in and, and looked like they could score at will for, for parts of it. They still kept it competitive, but you can't have mistakes like that and expect to win a football game. And, you know, this game, this game very much was lost in the first half. Yeah, and uh, some of the questions around
6: Andy Dalton – Again, not necessarily fair. Out of the three picks, I think two were really his quote-unquote fault. But, it, you know, it, it is what it is kind of scenario. Uh, that was definitely something that uh, was a dagger right away that you knew was going to be so hard to come back for from uh, early on in this game. And, you know, trying to play catch-up on the road just didn't end up working. Uh, the Saints got worked over in the run game uh, by Eno Benjamin, who ends up be, becoming – uh, a New Orleans Saints. He had 92 yards and a touchdown that game. This might have been the first time people started going, well, now is it is it time to go back to Winston after this?
3: And they did not. Week eight, the Raiders <laughs> come to town. Uh, and what this was the game you were talking about earlier, Steve. This is the Alvin Kamara game. Saints win it 24 nothing to get to 3-5. and Kamara with three touchdowns. Steve, we'll begin with you.
6: Yeah, the Alvin show that I think everybody had been waiting for all year, especially – uh, any fantasy football owners, you saw him racking up, you know, plenty of yardage in the passing and running game. Not really utilized, I felt, enough uh, as a receiver this season. But he had two two receiving touchdowns, one rushing in this game. All was great. Uh, the team shut down uh, Derek Carr. And, yeah, winning the turnover battle is great. And wish we could play uh,
5: a lowly Raiders team like that every year. Yeah, and this was the first game after. And as I mentioned, they had not named Andy Dalton the full-time starter. Prior to this game, they did. And this was the game that I think he really needed to kind of solidify his hold on that. And that's what happened. The Raiders' offense didn't get past midfield until, uh, I believe, Jared Stidham came in the game for Derek Carr. And I think this is a, one of those examples of uh, if you want to get right, go play the Raiders or bring the Raiders to play you.
3: The Saints felt the other end of that sword on the following week, Monday night against the Ravens. They lose 27-13 at home, fall to 3-6, and six, and as much as they dominated the Raiders, they felt that domination from the Ravens that night.
5: Yeah, I mean, this is a game that Lamar Jackson threw for 133 yards, and the Ravens won comfortably. He also ran for about 90 yards. And I think this is just a good example of, one of the things the Saints do not handle very well with their current makeup on defense is guys who are going to run around, extend plays, and then can beat you with their legs down the field. You know, I don't, the, the Ravens didn't run a ton of designed quarterback runs in this game. It was just Lamar Jackson being Lamar Jackson. It's just not a good sign that you weren't unable to be competitive in this game. But it is one of the few games this season, you know, maybe there was one or two that I didn't think the Saints had much of a chance to win. I totally agree with you there. As a fact this was a game that, you never really believed the
6: Saints had a chance in. And I thought that, you know, going into it really overlooked that offensive, defensive line matchup, I guess, and didn't realize how much Baltimore was going to dominate there and was the start of a, a tough stretch of games for the squad.
3: The next game would be week 10 at Pittsburgh. Saints lose 20-10, to 10, fall to 3-7. and seven. Uh, Dalton had a couple of picks, uh, <laughs> 10 penalties, uh, just uh, not a whole lot there. We'll, we'll start with you, Steve.
6: Yeah, one of those games where we could say it over and over again where this team found a way to beat themselves, unfortunately, uh, and they allowed the rushing attack. I know Najee Harris had pretty much struggled all season long and was talking about like how Jalen Warren was taking over the snaps for him. Well, Harris had a heck of a day against the Saints, putting up 99 yards. Uh, the rookie, Kenny Pickett, Uh, not so great in the passing game and got sacked a few times, but uh, really we saw again where he did his damage with, with other quarterbacks, mobile quarterbacks did this year is with the legs and that just ended up being one of the big undoings of the saints being able to let uh, Pickett squeak by and pick up those, you know, third and longs, which just, you know, drive you mad. Yeah.
5: It's also kind of an awkward game because Kenny Pickett is you know, probably the only quarterback that you can look at in this last year's draft and say, you know, should the Saints have taken him? Um, Because they had a chance at 19. They went with Trevor Penning instead. He obviously went to the Steelers uh, a few weeks later. And he had a solid game. But again, this is another example of two things. A game where the Saints didn't score a point in the second half and a game in which the Saints lost with the opposing quarterback throwing for under 200 yards in the the game. And those should not be... I've, neither of those things should be said about a team uh, if they expect to be a playoff-caliber team, and that's that's what you were not this year.
3: And they needed more of the Raiders and Rams, and so the Rams are next, <laughs> Week Eleven, November, home against the Rams. Saints win it twenty-seven twenty, get to four and seven. Matt Stafford gets banged up, uh, three touchdown passes for Andy Dalton, and you know again you you feel a glimmer of hope, but it's the Rams.
1: Yeah, one of
6: those games where. You knew they weren't a good team coming into that, this uh, matchup. The defending Super Bowl champs had fallen on some hard times. But you know what? As Saints fans, you did not care because of the you know pent-up animosity towards that Rams logo, uh, Sean McVay on the other side of the, the field. And, man, Andy Dalton really lit up the Rams secondary. Very impressive showing. Uh, I think the, the best quarterback rating of his NFL career, a nice touchdown Chris Olave had in the game. And you just, there was a lot of positives, obviously, that you, you needed to see after a, a disheartening, you know, loss of Pittsburgh that, that had a lot of fans, I think, down in question in the
5: season. This one kind of brought some people back, but it, it wouldn't, unfortunately, last too long. Yeah, I think this is also one of the, where you kind of get the pecking order of where the Saints are, which is a middling football team right now. That's where they finished the season, and that's, those are the teams they beat this year, where the teams that were at their level or slightly below them. They didn't punch up, uh, and they had to. And this was a Rams team that just was not very good this year, and the Saints were able to beat them. It's the same thing you could say about the Falcons. The same thing you can say about the Raiders, right? And uh, and that's just kind of where you ended up. So, you know, if you want to look at it this way, this is exactly where the Saints are, is a middle-of-the-pack team, and they beat a worse team in the Rams in this game.
3: And finally in our group of six is Week 12, Lost at San Francisco 13 0 in the weirdest shutout ever. The Saints had the ball on San Francisco's side five times, inside the 30, three times, inside the six yard line, two times, and got shut out to fall to four and six. Jeff?
5: Yeah. I mean, I think that, that kind of says it all. This is the catch the dang ball game uh, because I think Juwan John Johnson had a ball, bounced off his helmet in the end zone. of Hill had a ball, bounced off his helmet in the end zone. Alvin Kamara fumbled on the goal line. I don't know if I've ever seen a shutout with more premium scoring opportunities than the Saints had in this game, and they lost. Uh, so yeah, that's that's just it's a game you expected to lose, but I don't think you expected to lose it in the way you. Yeah, and as much trouble as you had containing running backs this season, they did
6: a heck of a job against Christian McCaffrey in the second job. The second time they got to see him as he went from Carolina, obviously to San Fran, uh, and just really this matchup for me you got outworked out physical
3: exactly so now the saints are 4 and 8 that's where we'll take a break and begin the final stretch of the season but at 4 and 8 the nfc south is so bad they're right there near the top and we'll begin with the monday nighter in tampa bay when we come back on the saints hour on the community coffee new orleans saints radio network welcome back to the saints hour mike hoss along with jeff nowak and steve geller as we recap the 2022 2023 season and with this final segment begins with the stinger: the Monday Nighter at Tampa Bay. Saints lose seventeen sixteen to fall to four nine, and this is where they lose control of their destiny. Jeff will be begin with you on this painful one. Do we have
5: to? Yeah, <laughs> I think Absolutely.
3: we've I think we've done it enough, haven't we? <laughs> uh,
5: yeah, this was just brutal. It's painful. It still kind of makes you sick to your stomach because you know you saw what they did in the three games after this. Like the question at this point was, oh, can they? win this game and even be competitive down the stretch knowing what we know they haven't went back to back games blah 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 and then they, they do what they did in this game and then bounce back from it and yeah 17-16 so many questionable decisions Mark Ingram going out of bounds short of the first down marker he, he was done for the season with an ACL injury after that point uh, yeah I don't think we need to digest this one any more than we have to it was brutal yeah unfortunately uh, I hope
6: that's not the lasting memory that Mark Ingram has with this ball club obviously he's done so many other great things but boy that that was such a heartbreaker to say the least gut punch Um, and the team looked and seemed like you were totally completely out of it
3: so the Saints come home after that. Well, first there's the bye week, so we got to digest the the Tampa <laughs> loss for, for two full weeks. But then they come home with Atlanta, you know, with this new four-game winning streak to finish the season. They win 21-18 to get to 5-9. and nine. Steve, we'll begin with you.
6: Yeah, a case where you thought they should take advantage of Atlanta team starting quarterback Desmond Ritter, their rookie Under center, The Saints were able to get after him for a few sacks. Uh, And this team giving up so much leaky yardage. A guy like Tyler Algier, their uh, rookie undrafted dude for them. The Saints did find a way to pull this out. Thankfully, hold on, I should say. Whatever you want to say about this season is, hey, we
5: swept the Falcons at least. I think this is also a game where you saw, like, man, when you get turnovers, it makes your life a whole lot easier. And that's how this game ended. Bradley Roby got the, you know, right place, right time turnover and you won the game you know when it's that simple sometimes it's like when you make big plays at big moments you win games and the things finally managed to do that they also helped desmond ritter do 97 yards passing so you know you look at the run defense and that didn't do you any favors but the pass defense was top level over the final month plus of the season so that's something to look at possibly.
3: so now we go to week 16 christmas eve in cleveland against deshaun watson this is the minus 10 that we don't have to remind Steve of that coldest game in Saints history. They win it 17-10 gutsy gutty performance to get uh, to six and nine. Uh, and because you were down there, Steve, we, we have to
6: begin with you. Well to, to me if you want to talk about there, there's so much uh, you know people suggesting that Dennis Allen should be fired. Well, this is a game to me that can you could you could make a case of why Dennis Allen should be the head coach of the Saints. Because of going down ten nothing on the road in the conditions, and not and seemingly you know your season is over with. They were still mathematically, of course, alive. They fought back for this game, and you left really with a much better feeling. Finally, two game, two wins in a row. I, I can't imagine being able to concentrate on the game when you're just trying to, to, to do anything to move around to stay warm
5: at that point. Yeah, if there was ever a phone-it-in game, this was it. Um, and they didn't do that. You know, they went out there and they and they proved a point, I think, they showed up, that, that this was a, this is a tough team. Rashid Shaheed was their leading receiver with four catches, 41 yards. So, yeah, I think this is a – you know, if you want to look at positive towards the end of the season where you're like, okay, this is something we can build on, I think this is a perfect example of that.
3: From 2022 to 2023, New Year's Day in Philly, hmm. Saints win their third straight 20-10 to 10, to get to 7-9. and nine. And this is the domination of the first half that we saw in Week 18, 247 yards to 61 yards. Jeff, begin with you in this big win. No Jalen Hurts, but still a big win.
5: Yeah, I mean, no Jalen Hurts, but I still think that, you know, the, the prevailing wisdom was that the Eagles are going to roll in this game. It was a game they had every motivation to go all in four, and they didn't. And I think this was, you know, one of the things that I think got overlooked this season is the pass rush didn't come up big in big moments um, throughout the course of the year the way you would hope, the way you would expect. But this is a game that you you did. You got after Gardner-Mintree. I think you had six sacks as a team. Cam Jordan set the record. He, he had a three-sack game. And that's what that's what ended up being the reason. Plus, March on Lattimore that you were able to pull this out. Because, again, as I mentioned, this is another example of a game they didn't score in the second half on the offensive side of the ball. It was Marshawn Lattimore's six 6
6: Yeah, this was a game, too. I thought that the Saints came in uh, looking like a team on a mission. Obviously, defensively, they were stifling. Uh, Gardner Minshew wasn't comfortable at all. That's all I kept you know, thinking. Every time he was dropping back, they were just constantly harassing him. But I thought they did a phenomenal job. Uh, defensively, and just that—that that offense, like you mentioned, that in the second half kind of disappeared. And had you wondering, oh no, we've seen this terrible, awful, no good movie before. But man, oh man, that was huge having Marshawn Lattimore back. Pick six—you knew it was lights out for Philly.
3: And clearly, this team did not save its best for last. Week 18, <laughs> Carolina, a chance to finish eight and nine, but. They finished 7-10 and ten because they lose 10-7 to seven in just a game where they score on the opening drive and uh, everything else is just kind of a blur. Jeff, we'll begin with you.
5: Yeah, yeah. This is a game that, you know, you, it's hard to take too much away from. I didn't feel like outside of the first, you know, 15 plays, whatever they had scripted, there was much of a plan uh, in this game, at least on the offensive side of the ball. Defense was great. Um, this, But my big takeaway from this game is I think you really have to look hard at the kicking game because, man, you make either of those field goals, I think you win this game. You know, the first one was from 44 yards. You can't miss that. Will Lutz has missed five times between 30 and 49 this year. Only Kate York and Chris Boswell have missed five or more times. So I think this is this is a game where you're going to look at the offseason and say, you know, can we trust Will coming back? Because uh, that's going to lose you games if you can't get that sorted out. Another
6: head-scratcher, too, for me. Unfortunately, I felt even though Chris Olave has a touchdown in this game, it might have been his worst of the season because of the drops. Also, you put in the fumble in there. Uh, I thought we were in for big things after that huge opening drive score. Uh, Nice game from Alvin Kamara again. I thought we'd see more from him in the passing game, but was used more on the ground. Uh, Obviously getting 100 yards there, but uh, there's going to be a lot of questions and to me, obviously, surrounding the offensive side of the ball heading into the offseason from the performance we saw from the team this year, the defense still seems to be one of the upper echelon in the NFL. Hopefully that can continue on into the next year.
3: Well, it was a long haul for sure. 18 weeks, 17 games, but back-to-back seasons ending without a spot in the playoffs. And now lots of decisions to be made this offseason, my thanks to both of you, Jeff Nowak and Steve Geller, for helping us look back at this season. My thanks also to Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis and Saints Executive Director of Football Communications, Doug Miller, for his help this entire season. This has been the Saints Hour on the Community Coffee, New Orleans Saints Radio Network. Good night.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy,